Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sippel. Three, two, one. Welcome in. I was swallowing a peanut butter pretzel there, so I couldn't spit it out. This is the life. Wait a second. A peanut butter pretzel? Peanut butter pretzel bites. Whoa! So they have peanut butter within the pretzel. Yeah, within the pretzel. Let me uh, let me buy into one here for you. This is great podcasting. Yeah, I don't know if you see that or not. Nice, Baz. I've, I've never had them. Costco. Oh, they're like they're like crack yeah. cocaine. Crack cocaine. Black tar heroin is what they're like. <laughs> oh, hello. Um, hello, hello. Happy I'm Friday. Chris. Happy Friday. I'm Chris. There's Steve. There's Parker. It is. 12, 17 p.m., Friday, January 14th, 2022. Happy New Year to everyone. It is, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Nebraska's completed the – Nebraska football's completed its coaching staff with the hire of Brian Applewhite, running backs coach, and Bill Bush as special teams coordinator. Nebraska basketball playing at Purdue tonight. We won't talk about that one much, but they host Indiana Monday as the gauntlet continues in the early part of their schedule. And – you and Parker and Sipple sat down and had a nice, long, wide-ranging discussion with Trev Alberts, Nebraska's AD. So we're going to get into that a little bit, too, and you guys can kind of share what you're talking about. So wow. first things first, we'll, uh, we'll get into football. Like I said, Brian Applewhite announced yesterday as the running backs coach, former running backs coach at TCU, um, completes the Nebraska staff, 10 assistant coaches, along with Bill Bush. Basically been a, what, two-month coaching search? Essentially, uh, the guy, the other four were fired November 8th. Yep. And it's now the, the last hour was announced January 13th. I'll, I'll turn over to you guys. You guys have been on top of this from the beginning. Thoughts on Brian Applewhite joining the fold here at Nebraska? Parker, go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, that the running back spot, we, we weren't quite sure what was going to happen with, you know, from the start, from, from November 8th, when those four offensive staffers uh, got fired. We said the way the numbers worked, if you wanted to hire a full-time special teams coordinator, something was going to have to get shuffled along the way. And for a while, you know, because of the three hires that were made right away with Mark Whipple, Mickey Joseph, and Donovan Rayola, or not right away, but the first three that were made, it wasn't exactly clear what was going to happen uh, with special teams and the running back spot. So that sort of became clearer when Tony Tuioti uh, left for Oregon right before Christmas. That paved the way for Bill Bush to become the special teams coordinator. And then the goal was to just go out and hire the best running backs coach you could find. And Frost, you know, Trev Alberts told us on Tuesday, and we've heard this sort of all along. I think Scott Frost talked to a bunch of different people, um, some at the college level, some at the NFL level, and settled on Brian Applewhite as his guy. Um, he's 25-ish years as an assistant coach in college football, he's coached running backs basically that entire time. Uh, was at TCU the past two years, Colorado State for five before that, uh, Louisiana Monroe for five, Wyoming for six from 2003 to 2008. So it's a guy who's been a lot of different places. Um, I think, you know, his recruiting connections largely are in Texas, which is a place that Nebraska wants to be more active in, uh, state Nebraska wants to be more active in. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, it's not I don't think it's my job to sit here and say whether it's a great hire or a good hire or a bad hire or whatever. The proof will be in the pudding. But um, 
they had a lot of options. They had a lot of interest. And this is the guy that Frost settled on. Yeah, I think, Parker, it's safe to say. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I know they interviewed Petrie. What's Petrie's first yeah, name? Yeah, Michael Petrie from the Chicago yeah. Bears. Yeah, yeah, I know they interviewed Michael Petrie. Yeah, the Chicago Bears. I, I don't know if they interviewed Greg Knox, but he was on their radar screen. I believe they sure. did, yeah. Okay, so Greg Knox was at Florida. And Ron Brown was in the picture, too. I think that was pretty much – that's what it came down to, is I, I imagine – or I think based on what I know. Yeah. I'm like you, I don't, I don't really, I, to be honest, guys like that, that I don't know too much about, it's hard to really judge. I mean, I have right. never seen them on a field coaching or I've never, and I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the guys he's coached, uh, but I don't. Oh yeah. Sipple's yeah. Sipple's internet connection is a little unstable. Be a good um, fit. There you go. Yeah. You're back. Am I out? You, okay, you they, cut back. You're back in. You cut out there for a minute. Oh, yeah. Well, they thought he'd be a good fit. I think they liked the fact that Parker had kind of alluded to it. He had to recruit to some tough places, yeah. right? Um, I like the fact he's been at places like he's been at. Think about taking your world, your family to Laramie, um, and then to Monroe, Louisiana. I mean, you're you're really going to some outposts that with kind of different culture, well, much different cultures. Um, going to Fort Collins, um, then going to Fort Worth, and then going to Lincoln. I mean, it's really an interesting ride he's had. Yeah. And you have to recruit, you know, it's it's not easy to recruit to Laramie. Um, it's probably not easy, real easy to recruit to Louisiana Monroe. Um, so, yeah, I like that part. As far as this whole thing goes, I've said it a couple of times, but I'll say it again, November. Nope. Oh. Can't, yeah, hey, can't. If you told me November. Eight, am I click, clicking out? Yeah, you're back now. I'm back in if on you November eighth. If I would have told you what, if you would have told me that it was going to shake out this way, Whipple, Joseph, Rayola, Casey Thompson, Chubba Pert is on Chubba Purdy, Purdy is it Purdy is on campus, um, and then you know this uh, Brian Applewhite, I would have said. Two months, that's pretty good. You got it in before the dead period ends. You got everything in. Um, I would have said, wow, that's a pretty that's pretty good. I mean, Frost in his sort of early stages as a CEO, I'd say has comported himself well. Um, it hasn't been unwieldy, it hasn't been weird. You know, he got the guys pretty much that he targeted. It's it's gone smoothly. And I think the guys he put in place, you all all of them you look at and go, okay, that makes sense. And some of them you look at, a, a couple of them you look at and go, oh, wow. I mean, Mickey's probably, lead, Mickey Joseph kind of leads that conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. So one of the things that I think, you know, Frost said was going to be a priority. And I think one of the things you can say the way it shook out is that he, he I think he really put an emphasis on finding guys that have experience. And if you look at, you know, they've replaced half their coaching staff now, right? I mean five of the 10 full-time positions, four fired, and then Tony Tuioti left. But Mark Whipple, you know, 40 years of coaching experience. Mickey Joseph, 20-plus. Um, you know, Rayola is the outlier by a long ways in this conversation, where he's done four years and is as an assistant position coach in the NFL. Um, and he's by far – that's by far the least coaching experience, right? So Bill Bush – 30 plus years, yeah, 30 plus uh, yeah. Brian Applewhite, 25 years. So, yeah. you know, you're bringing yeah. 
in those four guys alone between Whipple um, and the other guys, I mean, you bring in more than a hundred years worth of experience, uh, coaching experience into the fold. And I think that's part of what Scott was after this offseason. Now it's got to pan out, you know, it's got to work. Um, those guys have to mold together and get on the same page and do all of that. Uh, but, you know, when you're looking at one of the things that Trev told us, we're going to talk more about that conversation here. Um, but one of the things that he told us and that it's hard not to believe him when he says it is, you know, he, he said the guys that Scott targeted, he got. Um, and I, I think it's hard to argue with that, especially, you know, when you talk about, about Mark Whipple and Mickey and, and Bill, but, you know, just like you go on down the line and then we know, we know, and we'll see if this was the right call or not, but we know that Frost picked Donovan Rayola over Jeff Quinn. Uh, who had a lot more experience in coaching Notre Dame and all of that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if he made the right hires, but certainly uh, he made experienced hires uh, on four of the five and he got guys um, that he was after, which I think, you know, I didn't know how that was going to work on November 8th. Like, he, like you sort of said, simple. I mean, you know, he's on the hot seat, you know, he's got to win in 2022 and yet he was able to go out uh, and get guys that have a lot of experience and guys that probably had interest from from several other schools too. Yeah, and Trev said the end still, you know, he's, I mean, he's a an AD sort of has to say things like this, but he'd said the end is still powerful, and I, that that helped. Donovan Rayola, I don't know if he gets hired if they would have hired Graham Harrell as the OC. Right. Yeah. Yes. Then, then they then they might have went to Quinn, but I think Rayola. The reason he makes sense in the conversation is because of his relative youth. You know, he's forty, um, and I think they won. Well, I know they did. I, I mean, I know because I've talked to people about it. They they if they would have hired Harold, they would have went older on the yeah, old line right, coach. Right. Since they hired Whipple, um, who's what? Do you say sixty four? Yep. Whipple. Yeah. Then they 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 made the cognizant choice to go younger with the o-line coach so there's that um yeah i mean it all we'll see you got it i mean all now you got to see how it works in the spring and we'll get a bet we'll get a better idea but i mean this has to go this has to work now i mean it has to work fast and i imagine they're working right now they got guys on campus the guys are the guys are full the guys are all in now they're all working uh by the way bush when you look at Bush's resume, it is really impressive. I mean, they got guys that like Mickey, who's coached a Blitnikoff award winner and, and Bush who's coached a Thorpe award winner. Um, they it's pretty, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't have expected it to be this good on November 8th. Yeah. And Whipple had a Heisman trophy finalist as his quarterback last year and a Blitnikoff right. winner at receiver, you know, I mean, it's all very real, right? It's all, real. all that stuff is very real. It's real, it's man. It's, yeah, it's very real. It's, it's crazy. So this has been, I think people, if you follow, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably follow our work at least to some degree, follow Nebraska football to some degree. It's been a busy, I don't even know how long it's been, seven weeks, almost two months, month and a half since the season ended. Um, it's sort of remarkable when you think about everything that's happened in a relatively short period of time here. Um, Half the coaching staff, like we said, you know, nine Division One transfers uh, are are already you know part of the picture. Um, several of them are getting to campus this week. When you talk about Casey Thompson from Texas, uh, Trey Palmer, 
the receiver from LSU, DeAndre Jackson, the running back from Texas A&M, Hunter Anthony, the offensive lineman from Oklahoma State, uh, Kevin Williams, you know, all of those guys, like, it's, it's, it's kind of remarkable, you know, not only have they turned over half of their coaching staff, but they've got a new veteran quarterback. They could have two new quarterbacks by the end of this weekend, depending on what happens with Chubba Purdy, the Florida State transfers getting to town today for his visit. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of wild. You know, you got two new offensive linemen, two new receivers, uh, a new running back, a new defensive back in Tommy Hill, a new set of specialists with the punter uh, Bashini and, and the kicker Timmy Bleakroad. Like, it's really been uh, sort of like extreme makeover Nebraska football edition, you know, for the last seven weeks. Yeah, Trey Palmer's probably their return man, by the way. Yeah, right, right. So they had to target some areas that were critical on special teams. And I think they, I think the guys they got are good. I mean, like you, like when it. you talk about, okay, so you could say simple, come on. How do you know? Well, Bushimi's numbers translate from FCS to FBS. The field doesn't change. I mean, it doesn't, you know, the goalposts don't get smaller in the FBS and the FCS. So those, I mean, Bushimi and who's the kid, who's the kicker from Fordham? Yeah. Timmy Timmy Blake Blake Road. Road. Furman. Yeah. Furman, yeah, not Furman. Fordham. Yeah. Same thing. Furman, Fordham. Um, the, um, sorry to the Rams and. Sorry to the Paladins. Yeah, that's impressive. I did not know that. But God, Bass. But yeah, that so though those guys that again, real. It's real. Bushimi's numbers translate. Beak Road's numbers translate. They got, I mean, Palmer's numbers should translate. I mean, it wasn't the best punt return man in America, but he averaged over six yards. And Nebraska had 27 punt return yards last season. Yeah. 27. Amazing. I laugh every time I hear that. It's just incredible. <laughs> 27 yards. Of, <laughs> I mean, what, you could add, what is, you could take all of Nebraska's punt return yards and it wouldn't get me from my front door to my mailbox at the end of the drive. I mean, what would Dewan Gross say about that? Come on. He's rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> he's still he's not, alive. He's not dead. He's not dead. That, that stat may kill him, but he's not dead. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, all that, he's going to roll over in his grave. Yeah. All, yeah. I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job in some spots for sure. I mean, yeah. Trey Palmer, I would classify as a mega get. I mean, you almost, you almost pencil, you almost pencil him into the return jobs. And then I would say he's going to be one of their three best receivers for sure. Right. Am I out of my mind here? Yeah. No, no I mean, it's, it's interesting. And when you think about the way that, you know, and I said this and wrote this uh, late in the in the season that for as much as Nebraska is losing, okay, we can paint this picture really clearly. For as much you know veteran presence as Nebraska lost on defense with the six year seniors and 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 Cam Taylor Britt uh, and Damian Daniels and DeAndre Thomas all leaving the program, um, the offense is go undergoing a more major rebuild in terms of personnel. Uh, and you can see it really clearly. I mean, out of their nine scholarship transfers so far, six are on offense and one is on defense. Uh, and then there's two special teams. So, you know, you're talking about a new quarterback. You're talking about Trey Palmer and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, both probably being somewhere in the receiver rotation. Now, is it those two and Manning and Betts and a couple others, Oliver Martin? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, are they going to be the two leading receivers like Samari Ture? I you know, if you're Scott Frost and Mickey Joseph and Mark Wibble, you probably hope that's not necessary. Um, 
But, you know, you got a new running back, at least two with Emmett Johnson and DeAndre Jackson in the mix. You got uh, two veteran offensive linemen and they're hoping for more, you know, to put in that. I mean, every position except for tight end ostensibly is probably going to look a lot different in 2022 than it did this last fall. And that's, yeah, and tight, and you're talking about yeah. also replacing the big 10 tight end of the year in Austin Allen. Yeah. In tight end though, you'd say they're pretty good shape with, with right. Travis Vokalek and Thomas Fedoni. Uh, DJ yeah, Chancellor hey, Brewington. The, the, you Baz, know. were you familiar? Did you ever cross paths Baz with DJ Vokalek? I did a little bit. Yeah. Um, he was down in that. Well, Travis was at Kickapoo High School down in Springfield, Missouri. So I, I knew of him. I knew of DJ a little bit. Yeah. I okay, didn't know yeah. Him. He, he's joining the staff as an analyst. I think we can say that, right, Parker? DJ Vocal. Yeah, it's not done. I, I checked on that the other day. It's not done yet, but that is the plan. Yes. Okay. So we said it, and that's it. Uh, move on. Breaking um, news. <laughs> breaking news. Sound the alarm. Breaking news. DJ Vocal. Woo, 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 woo. He's and well, I guess if we're gonna if we're gonna bring this up, we should probably say he's been the linebackers coach at Northern Iowa uh, for Mark Farley. He was Chris Kolarovic's linebackers coach at Northern Iowa at the FCS level. So okay, yeah, we brought it up. Um, we certainly right. did. Yeah. All right. Now, now can we move? Uh, what what else we got here? Well, any more football talk? You guys want to talk about? You want to guys want to give me your conversation you had with Trev Alberts earlier this week? Yeah, yeah I, we I guess it's sort do. of a sort of a natural segue. I mean, there's, you know, one of the things we talked to him about was the sort of staff, the resources to hire a good coaching staff. And and simple, I think we can make this transition. Might be a little clunky, but the, the salary pool right now for Nebraska is at five point one million. Uh, and that's before Brian Applewhite's salary. So they're going to end up somewhere in the five and a half range. There's going to be some some raises for uh, defensive coaches too. Although I don't think, you know, Trev said this, it's not going to be anything outlandish. I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Chenander gets somewhere near the Mark Whipple range, which is 875. Don't think it's going to be higher than that probably. Um, but anyways, there's sort of, you know, Trev talked about, you know, investing in people and and the potential for great return on investment when you're talking about, you know, experienced coaches, veteran coaches, successful coaches. But I thought the conversations overall that we had about money were really interesting. I mean, it just it's he's got an eye to the future. And he at one point said, like, we need to find every piece of revenue we can because we're going to need it uh, in the future. I because. Because, because of changes coming in terms of NIL and potentially pay for play for players down the road. And, you know, the amount of facilities work they're doing, obviously they, they, they up their fundraising goal on the go big project from hundred million uh, privately fundraised to 125 million um, because they want to bond a little bit less of it because he's wary of debt service five years, you know, three, four, five years from now. It's amazing. Um, they're sort of, He's on a kick of, of uh, being very financially aware. I think going forward. Yeah, you 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 said it very casually, the potential for pay for play. But he made reference to a a, a legal case that is uh, will be heard by a judge in Pennsylvania. In what year is that, Parker? Uh, one of them that he mentioned was was January of twenty twenty four. Okay, so yeah, that's those are the things. Now, see what 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 people. It sounds condescending, but what people need to understand is 
Nebraska can't wait for that case to potentially pop in favor of the student athlete and then Nebraska have to react. I mean, you have to prepare for the eventuality that it could occur, even if it may not occur. And if it does occur, then you got to be ready for it immediately. So that's the kind of things they have. He has to have an eye toward. I was struck during the conversation by how difficult his job is. And he hmm. didn't, he didn't say it was difficult in so many words, but he did say that he didn't expect it to be quite the way it is. Yeah. You know, so that was interesting to me. And a lot of it is comes down to the financial elements and how it and how the landscape in college athletics is changing. Um, I also thought it was interesting what he said. The thing that really hit me hard and resonated with me most was that whole discussion I think people have. I mean, I hear from people that have when they watch Alabama, Georgia, and they say, Oh God, we're so far away from that. And, and that discussion always is going. And he had a he had a good, what I thought was a very measured, grounded response. And that is, look, first of all, we're starting over. we got to learn how to tie our shoes, which is interesting to hear him say that. But also, hey, let's just be the most – let's just start by being the most physical team in the Midwest. Which by itself is not an easy task, right? No. And they're not there. They're not, even, they're not anywhere close to that because you're talking about Wisconsin for one, Iowa, um, whatever you consider the Midwest. But they uh, – but, but that makes sense to me. I mean, and I think that could make sense to the fan base. Let's not worry about Alabama and Georgia right now, that whole Southeast, you know, or the whole South. Ohio State's the only been the only school that cracked that South, Southeast um, bent to the national championship winner. I mean, Ohio State won in what, 2002 and 2014. Otherwise, look at it. Every school is South, South, Southeast, you know, LSU broke through. Um, that that Alabama barrier, Auburn broke through, Oklahoma broke through, Clemson. but not. But you know, it's all it's all South. Texas broke through. It's all South though. So Trev saying that makes sense to me. Let's not worry about that right now. Let's just be the most physical team in the Midwest, and then maybe he didn't say this, but what I th- would say is then maybe you can start competing with those teams. You know, well, and that's not to not to turn the conversation this way, but that's how it was you know, 30, 40 years ago, right? Nebraska was the most physical team in the Midwest. And then eventually it got to a point where it was competing with the Miamis, the Florida States, teams like that. So it's kind of not maybe not the same exact same plan, but the same idea, certainly. Oh, Baz, that's exactly right. I mean, Baz, you're old enough to remember, you just took for granted on Saturday that Nebraska was going to be the more physical team. Yeah. I mean, people that are young don't remember it was – you know, the big thing about Nebraska was they would beat teams and then those teams would always, they would struggle in their next couple games because they got beat up so bad. <laughs> it's not happening. I don't know where that went. I mean, I, I, I guess I wrote that I think that started to go by the wayside when Steve Peterson was hired in 02 and he kind of blew up the whole culture here. And then, then it kind of went, it started going away from uh, Nebraska as a super physical program. You know, it's, and then it got to the point where that wasn't even really – they weren't even trying to be that way, you know. Yeah. Um, so now Trev, maybe somewhat predictably because he played in the early 90s, is trying to bring that mentality back. Now, now to which you would say, wait a second, Sipple, they have Frost, who is the most physical quarterback you've probably ever seen. But I don't know. His offense never really played that way. 
Um, but I think it's, I think he understands now after a few years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, an, it's interesting too, Baz, he said that, I mean, that's the, um, the, exactly the example you used of sort of gaining on the Miamis of the world was the example that Trev used when he was sort of, he said, how long did it take Georgia to get to the point that they're at where they could actually break through and do it? And he, uh -huh. he mentioned that, you know, his, his career at Nebraska, how they got blown out by Miami. And then the next year, they were a little bit closer. And then the next year, uh, you know, they lost by two in the national championship game. Then you finally break through the year after that. And as he sort of said, that's what George has been doing. They got within striking distance and then they, they gradually closed the gap and it took a long time. You know, it's not over 40 years. Yeah. 40 years, yeah. 40 years. Yeah. <coughs> so, you know, this, this is not like a, Hey, in 2022, uh, you know, you're going to physically dominate everyone in the big 10 and all that. They got to win obviously. Um, but it was very interesting very interesting conversation. We talked a little bit about hoops too. Yeah, hoops. Uh, Trev has a hoops has a hoops situation on his hands uh, that that he admittedly did not inherit, and we'll we won't spend a ton of time on this because it's been reported. But Trev Alberts uh, and Nebraska quietly agreed to a contract extension back. Bill in Moose. Bill Moose. Or, excuse me. Yes, Bill Moose, previous athletic director. Uh, and, and Fred agreed to a contract extension back in June of 2020 after Fred's first season added one year <clears throat> at three and a half million dollars to his contract, which for those that are interested in such things would put his buyout after this season at 18 and a half million dollars if Nebraska were fired without cause, which tells you that's probably not going to happen uh, <laughs> at this point, considering the financial situation that you guys touched on already uh, when talking to Trev Alberts. So it was interesting to hear him talk about that. He's also got a team coached by Fred Hoiberg that is currently six and 11 and 0 and six in the big 10. Um, uh, I thought his comments were really interesting talking about watching the women's team and the way they play and watching the baseball team and the way it plays toughness, competitiveness, don't quit. And then he, he, he said it, he said, you don't always see those things with the men's basketball team right now. So it's, it's not in a great spot for Nebraska. It's going to get a little worse tonight. Again, by the time you listen to this, that, that game will probably be over, but Nebraska's at Purdue tonight. Um, toughest game left on their schedule by any, any metric you want to look at. Um, Purdue is favored by 20, which is just an astronomical number in a, in a power six versus power six game. You don't see that a lot in a power six non-conference game, by game, if, if we're being honest. So it's, that's, that's the that's the long and short of it right now. Nebraska's got to get through this one. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. We all have a pretty good idea. And then you want to say, well, the schedule lightens up, but you look at it, mm -hmm. and they have Indiana at home Monday, mm -hmm. next Monday, then at Ohio State, then they play Wisconsin at home, then they play Rutgers at home, who beat you by 30 last week. Then you're at Michigan. You know, Jeez. so, I mean, it's just – it's a meat grinder. And then – you get Northwestern, Minnesota, Iowa, Maryland. You start playing some of the teams that are in the bottom half of the league. So you're going to get there eventually. But, I mean, look, and, and you wrote this. 0-10 in the league is not out of the question for this team right now. They're in their own six. And they're going to get Trey McGowan's back maybe tonight. If not tonight, then probably Monday uh, against Indiana. That's going to help. But they're in a bad spot right now. They've, they've It's either a deal where they – are in it until the last few minutes or they're out of it in the first 10 minutes, basically. And there's really no in between. So they're just in a tough spot. They, they don't have a point guard. 
They don't have a ton of depth. The shooters haven't <laughs> shot like they thought it was going to, um, you know, and it's, that's where it is right now for Nebraska. This, you, you don't want to say a team has no chance to win, but that there's a game on the schedule. Nebraska has no chance to win. It's probably tonight. And then you start moving forward after that. Okay. Baz, you said something interesting. I want to ask you about, you said they don't have a point guard. Now, now some people say Spaz, they have two. I mean, they have two point guards, Burge and Kobe Webster. Not point guards. I mean, they're not. Okay. Fred, look, I mean, Fred will tell you that too. Mm-hmm. You know, Alonzo Verge played off the ball his entire career before this season, before he got to Nebraska. Kobe Webster, who I think we all like and agree is a solid player. Yeah. Same thing. He's a, scorer. He's a scoring guard. He's, he was a scoring guard at Western Illinois. He was brought in here to be a scoring guard. He played off the ball here when he first got here. Those are your two primary ball handlers right now. And even Trey McGallans, um, who's probably going to take over some of those dudes when he comes back. Not really a true point guard. And he's probably the best point guard on the roster, the most capable point guard on the roster right now. But even then, that's not a guy that's that you, you look at him and think, oh, yeah, that's that's a point guard. You know, um, so, I mean, that's that's where it is for Nebraska with with the way Fred wants to play with an offense first system. You don't have the most important piece that you probably need to make your offense work. I mean, that's, that's the long and short of right there. So unfortunately for Nebraska, there's a kid they're going to see here in a couple of weeks playing at Wisconsin that is starting as a freshman at point guard and went to Bellevue West um, and got negative, got negative recruiting interest from Nebraska by the name of, of Chucky Hepburn. Uh, who's you look at what he does, he plays 30 minutes a game, plays really good defense, doesn't make mistakes. And he, he gets, he gets Wisconsin into its offense. And, and that's really what Nebraska's missing, right? And they're, well, they're missing a lot more than that. Let's be honest. When you're six and 11 and only six, it's more than one spot, but it's just, it's just tough. You know, when Nebraska's played, Nebraska's been better when it's, when it's decided it wants to compete. You know, we saw it in the Illinois game. We saw it against Ohio state. You know, we've seen it in some other games. There's, you can make a, a pretty fair argument that Nebraska's not all that far from being three and three in the big 10. And then how, how much different does this season look, you know, way different way different. So, but they're not three and three, they're all in six. And Fred Hoiberg said it yesterday. It's, it's, that's the bottom line. You either win or you lose. There's, there's no almost, and that's, that's where it is for Nebraska. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what kind of impact Trey McGowan's returning has. I think he helps them. I think they win a couple games with him back in the lineup and he gives them a better chance to win a couple games, but it's, it's still, it's, it's a bear here for the next, basically through the end of this month. And then once the calendar turns to February, you start trying to maybe build a little more now towards the end of the season. Verge is interesting. Verge is an interesting player. And that because he is really good. I mean, he's a, he, he has he's, talent. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he, he's a good, he's a really good scorer, not great defender though. And that, that hurts him too. Um, but he's interesting to me because it, because the, because the, he can score in a lot of different ways and bads, you see it. He makes some incredible passes. He's just interesting. He, he's not. He doesn't seem like he wants to be a point guard. Um, is it as simple as Steve? Now, here's the thing. It's not. It's not simple. But if it if McGowan's were Trey McGowan's were healthy and made good decisions with the ball, which he he's that's been questionable throughout his career. If he, all you got to do is look at his assist to turnover ratio. Um, but if he were if he proved himself to be a solid point, don't you just, then do you just move Verge to the two? And have him play what he would want to play? That's absolutely what you do. Um, because 
Trey McGowan's is your best perimeter defender too. He's your best defender, period. But let's not let's not forget that part of it. And you look at some of the games Nebraska's lost, where Malachi Branham scores 35 points and Darion Sebron scores 39 points and Trent Frazier scores 29 points. Well, guess who's guarding those guys? It's Trey McGowan's. It's your best defensive player. So that 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 part of it too makes sense if you're going to move him to point guard. It, it, he can guard a lot of different positions. He's been in it. You know, he's been with this program now for a couple of years. He understands the offense probably a little bit more intimately than Alonzo Verge does. And yeah, he's, he makes questionable decisions with the ball, but he also moves the ball, I think a little better than, than, than Alonzo Verge does. And it, like you said, it allows Alonzo Verge to kind of move back to that, that two guard spot, maybe a little more natural role for him. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose by trying it, right? You haven't won, you haven't won anything yet in the big 10, you're six and 11. If you make that move and that turns out to kind of unlock Verge a little bit and get him going and, and Trey McGowan's can be, you know, just solid, competent, you know, at the point guard spot and give you really good defense. Now, now you have something. For yeah, you absolutely. Know what you, you got, you know what you got with Derek Walker inside. You're, you're starting to get a little bit better shooting from guys like CJ Wilcher and Kesey Tominaga. Now, now at least you have some semblance of, of what looks like a plan to kind of go forward once he's back. It's amazing how similar this conversation is to last year, though, right? I mean, the, the plan going into the year was for Delano Banton to be the point guard, and he struggled in that role. And then it was, well, you know, maybe Trey McGowan's can take some of the pressure off of Banton by handling the point more. And they went to that, and it works in stretches. But you didn't come out of it feeling like Trey McGowan's was a, tr- a true point guard, which is the same right. conversation we're having now of, like, You've got this interesting, like obviously Banton and Burge are very different players, um, you know, physically and and probably skill set wise too. But like you have this sort of interesting player that you in a ideal sort of fanciful world would be a very nice option at point guard. It didn't really happen with Banton last year. It hasn't happened this year with Verge. And now your backup plan is a guy who's also not really a point guard. So yeah, it, the Banton thing is, and we don't need to beat this into the ground, but but think about Delano Banton, where he's at right now, playing point guard for the Toronto Raptors, yeah, you know, right. playing in the NBA. And, and I think part of Delano's problem last year was he was one of the guys, if you talk to the, the people inside the program, he was one of the guys that COVID really hit hard, really set him back, I think. And that's part of that. That was part of the issue, too, is he was out. And then when he came back, he was just not the same player. And I think a lot of people inside that program thought he would be back this year and he would take a pretty significant jump up this year uh, in his game. And just think about how different that lineup looks if Delano Bant is still here, because then you're probably not recruiting Alonzo Verge to come play point guard for you, you know, and your lineup just looks totally different than what it is now. But again, it doesn't matter now. Delano Banton got drafted in the NBA and he's making his money and that's, that's what it is and that's fine. But it just shows you how fickle this this business can be, this game can be, you, you had a guy declare late for the draft. You had to go get somebody else. That guy's now your starting point guard and it hasn't worked out. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to oversimplify it for Nebraska because it is, it's not simple. There's, there's a lot of things that you can point to for Nebraska struggles, but that's, that's a big part of it right now for the Huskers. You know, just, you know, you said something interesting and it is, it can be fickle, but that's why you tip your cap to, to programs like Michigan state where it's not fickle. Where, to, yeah to somewhat Ohio State, um, you know, there's programs where they're, they're just good every year. They're not, there's not that many, though, now that you start thinking about it. I mean, 
but but yeah, I'd say Wisconsin almost belongs in that, right? I mean, Wisconsin, yeah, for sure, Wisconsin. Well, and here, here's a great example. Look at what Minnesota's done this year. Mm-hmm. They brought in, they hired a new coach. They brought in seven, eight, nine transfers, something like that, and they're what twelve and four, mm-hmm. you know. And they they took Michigan they're State tough. to overtime on the road. They they played tough, you know. They took Michigan State to overtime on the road the other day, you know. Mm-hmm. They they have an identity and they play to it. And Ben Johnson's got that group playing, playing really, really well. So it's not like, it's not like it can't happen quickly. And it, it's not like it can't happen with the way that Nebraska's trying to do it by building with transfers and then, and then trying to sprinkle in high school guys around that. It can happen, but you have to have the right identity. And you have to have the right pieces. And, and for Nebraska, they've just had a couple pieces that haven't worked out. And, and that's, I think, a big part of the issue right now. Yeah, but man, it's, that, you're right. Internet's, internet's tough on simple today. Oh, hold on. Can you hear me now? You're right. Near you now. Yep. Yeah, I've just come to, I mean, that's why the programs that are good year in, year out, I've just, res- I have more and more respect for. I mean, it's because it, it yeah. is really, you can't take it for granted. I got one of the things I got really upset about in the last four years when I, when I, when I heard someone say, hey, at Nebraska, you should be able to just to roll out of bed in football and win nine games. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's such a disrespectful thing to say to so the teams hard. to the teams that do that, you know, yeah. that win. But it's not easy. It's not easy. You don't roll yeah. out of your bed anywhere and win nine games anymore. I think I think Wisconsin Hoops has made the tournament twenty three of the last twenty four years. That's I tip my cap to programs like that because that's remarkably difficult. I mean, Nebraska never hardly makes the NCAA tournament. I mean, 20, 20, 2014. And before that, it was you're back into the 90s, almost 20 years prior. So once yeah. in the last 24 years. Once in the last, yeah, 20, 30. 25 years. 20, yeah. I'm not very good at math. Yeah. And think about think about all the teams that not only have made the tournament in that time, but have won games in the tournament. You know, George Mason goes to a Final Four. VCU goes to a Final Four. You know, Wichita State goes to a Final Four. Nebraska UMBC, baby. UMBC beats the number one overall seed a couple of years ago, and then almost beats Kansas State in the second round. You know, it, it's just it, – it's <laughs> you just – I mean, you, you throw your hands up and go, man, Nebraska, it's hard. And it's, it's been really hard at a place like Nebraska for a, for a multitude of reasons. So, fun times. It's a fun program. Maryland, Baltimore <laughs> County. I wonder if they have like a – Wonder what their training complex looks like. I bet it's probably pretty similar to Hendrix. Yeah, I bet it's they got like a similar. It. Yeah, big granite basketball in the lobby, like like Nebraska's got. Granite. I wonder it's super if cool. UMBC's entire campus is as big as the Hendrix. It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah, well, I, I actually, do you think it's as big as Innovation Campus? <laughs> probably probably let's not. Up, let's yeah. look up Maryland, Baltimore County. What do we got enrollment wise? Yeah, county. Quick estimate on the square footage of uh, UMBC's campus, please, Baz. UMBC's undergraduate enrollment as of fall 2020 was 10,932. Oh, bigger than I would have thought. Bigger than you would have thought. Let's look it up in the maps. We're going to look it up on the map here. UMBC. Oh, yes. I got, go. I got the Google getting over. The Google right ma- getting the Google Maps going. Yep. On a Friday afternoon. Front. Yeah. We'll just don't do this stuff as much as you guys do. I need no to kidding. be. 
Easy, easy. Oh, yeah. I need to be more versatile. That's a small campus. Is it? Folks. There's literally, like you drive up to it and there's like a roundabout and then there's literally like a just a, a road that like loops around the campus and like everything's contained in this loop around the campus. Probably like Innovation Campus almost. Probably like Innovation Campus. Yeah. So there you go. Hey, Parker, when we were in Washington, D.C., we walked by, was it George Washington? Yeah. Yeah, that um, campus isn't, or was it? Yeah, that wasn't very big either. Just a downtown campus. Yeah, yeah. And we weren't very far from Georgetown. We didn't we didn't go back into Georgetown, but uh, that's, but for George Washington. Next, that's for your next time, D.C. trips. Yeah, George Washington, when you're walking downtown, all of a sudden you just see George Washington. There it is. George Washington there University. Hey, there's George Washington. Walk by it, and then that's well, it. At the Foggy Bottom, uh, the Foggy Bottom Metro stop. Good job. Foggy Bottom. Much more, uh, much more DMV area talk in this podcast than I expected coming in. <laughs> <laughs> the Colonials at George Washington, by the way, that's your mascot. Nice. Has kicked it off by knowing the Furman Pal- yeah. Paladins. Paladins. My 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 mascot knowledge is at a at a like a real sicko level when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. I don't want to test you. I'm tempted to. You're the, you're the chairman of the mascot sickos committee. I am, yes. <laughs> yes. Last I checked, Patino has Iona at 12 and 3. You know, I have that fantasy of dropping Patino into this Nebraska job. Iona um, Gales. Yep, the Iona Gales. Gales. You got it. That's good. Good job. Nice. Nice. Hey, could you imagine Patino at Nebraska? My, like my <laughs> yeah, God. Sipple has many times. He, he literally <laughs> has. Well, times. I guarantee you they, they'd win an NCAA tournament game. I'd almost yeah. put a guarantee. It might, it might get vacated two years later, but they they win. <laughs> nobody would care. Um, nobody, absolutely nobody would care. <laughs> no, they'd, they'd make the banner bigger after it got vacated. <laughs> they played um, Kansas within 13 points back in uh, late November on a neutral floor. You think Nebraska's doing that right now? <laughs> uh, hello. All right, guys. <laughs> hello. Yeah, this, this is probably probably a good place to stop. We probably ran out of material six minutes ago. Well, that's usually the case with this podcast. So thanks as always, guys, for tuning in. We'll have more for you next week. Until then, be safe. We'll talk to you soon.